Well, good morning, everybody. Why don't we make our way back to our seats? It's great to see everyone. And what a blessing to be together today. I tell you what, that was one of the best deacon announcements I've ever heard in my life. That was fantastic. (laughs) I appreciate so much the chance to be together. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Todd. My wife Brenda and I are privileged to be a part of Grace, and thank you to our pastors for the opportunity to bring the word today. I'm grateful for that. Uh, My family, we're also glad to be joined by some friends and neighbors of ours today, and uh, I just wanted to say hello to them. Dion and Sally Hunter are here, and Dion and Sally and their family were wonderful parts of our congregation that we pastored for many years in Hunt Valley and just foundational friends for many, many years. And uh, I'm just so glad that they're with us today to worship together. Yes. And we're also glad, Brenda and I are also glad to have our neighbors here today, Pastor Nick and Chris Gannis. Not only are they awesome neighbors, but Pastor Nick is pastor of a wonderful congregation, Timonium Presbyterian Church. And Pastor Nick is on sabbatical. And so when I found out he was on sabbatical, I said, come on and worship with us. And so, Pastor, we're glad you're here. Chris, thank you for coming. We're honored to have you as well. Thank you. Now, I thought of this morning, the way I figure it is that the only thing standing between the food trucks and you is me. And so, in a moment, to remedy that situation, when I pray for the message and ask God for clarity and accuracy, you pray for brevity, and it'll all work out good, I think. Yeah, I think it will. We're working our way through the book of James and uh, looking at a practical guide to living a life of faith. So let's look at James chapter 5 together. If you have a copy of the Bible, you want to turn there, that would be great. If you have a device, you can make your way to James chapter 5, and we'll begin reading with verses 13 through and including verse 18. Uh, Perhaps we can go old school again today. I have a habit perhaps sometimes of doing this, but would you stand with me as we read these verses together from the book of James chapter 5? We'll read these verses and pray, and then we can be seated. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Verses 17 and 18, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three and a half years, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. When we leave church today and we go about our day, if you carry with you the big idea of this message, it's this, that we pray with faith when we humbly and confidently ask God to accomplish what he has promised in his word. We pray with faith when we humbly and confidently ask God to accomplish 
what he has promised in his word. Let's talk about the prayer of faith from James 5. Would you bow with me? And let's pray uh, for the message today. Father, thank you for the privilege of, again this weekend, coming to you and opening up your word. Lord, we just pause and we ask you now to, would you bless the inspection of the word of God? Would you bless the presenting of the word of God and the receiving of this same, Lord? Um, I remember our missionary just a few weeks ago saying, we're just human beings. So God, we need your help, your supernatural help, inspired by the Holy Spirit to understand what we read today. And so would you grant that, Lord? We humbly ask that. Uh, God, I pray that every heart here, mine, every other one, God, would ultimately be pointed toward Jesus Christ. Thank you. Speak to us through your word today. And we pray all in the name of Jesus Christ for your glory, God. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with me. It's been 30 years ago now at uh, one of the colleges I was attending that I remember a dormitory room where I lived with two other guys. Uh, Dan was one of my roommates. He was from Wisconsin. And Kimi Kazu was one of my roommates, and he was from Tokyo. Kimi Kazu Takahashi. It's a great name. Love Kimi. We called him Kimi for short. He came to the United States for college specifically for that reason. He spoke very little English, and so his entrance into the United States and into college life was not only learning the material he was studying, but also learning to navigate the English language and American culture. And so as three men in the dormitory room, we were having a great time just kind of with that whole equation, working through that. We had lots of laughs and lots of times of explanation and all kinds of fun. And in Japan, before coming to the United States, Kimikazu was a barber. And so when I found that out, it also dawned on me, not far after hearing that, another revelation to me, and that is that I have hair. And so I came to Kimikazu. I said, Kimi, I would like you to cut my hair. And he said, okay, I will cut your hair. And so one day that we specified for him to cut my hair, we took one of the desk chairs from our dormitory room. It was kind of outside area. We put the chair there, and he grabbed a towel from the bathroom, and he wrapped it around my, my neck area, and he grabbed his little pouch that had his barber scissors in them. And then he did something very unusual. He disappeared behind my back, and he took one hand and the other hand and put them on my shoulders. It's behind me now. I'm staring out at nothing, and he's behind me with his hands on my shoulders. And then I heard very softly him start to say something. Now, it was an unusual way to begin a haircut. He finished doing that, and then he walked back in front of me now and started to do his work. And as he started, I, I, I said, Kimmy, I couldn't help but notice a second ago you were, you were doing something behind me. What were you doing? And Kimmy Kazu said, oh, Todd, I was asking God to help me to cut your hair good. And I got my money out, and I just 
No, I really didn't. I wanted to. The good news is that God speaks Japanese. And God heard his prayer. As far as I'm concerned, God heard his prayer, and Kimmy did a good job. Prayer is kind of interesting, isn't it? Whether in, in Japanese or whether in English or any other native language we may speak, prayer is foundational. It's not unusual in a church setting for us on a Sunday morning to at least mention, if not camp on, the idea of prayer. And James, the man that wrote the book that we've been looking at for four or five months now, James is speaking of prayer in the verses that he writes. You may remember several months ago when we began the journey through the book of James, James chapter 1, James said this in verse uh, number 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That, that's prayer. And g- he'll give generously to all without reproach. In verse 6, but let him ask in faith. That's prayer with no doubting. James again comments on prayer in James chapter 4, verse 2. You desire and you don't have, so you murder You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. That's prayer. James chapter 4, verse 3, you ask, that's prayer, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And then at the end of chapter 5, where we're at today, uh, verse 13 has the word pray. Verse 14 has the word pray. Verse 15 has the word pray prayer. Verse 16 has the word pray and prayer. Verse 17 has the word prayed. Verse 18 has the word prayed. Six verses, seven mentions of prayer. For James, a practical guide to living a life of faith started with prayer and it ended with prayer. Prayer, it's it's foundational in our Christian life. If I was to ask you today as Christians, how many of you in the last couple of days have prayed something, probably hands would go up all around the sanctuary today. If you're watching online and we were to ask you how many of you have prayed even today, many of you would say, yes, I've prayed today. It's the way we communicate between the created and the creator. I love how Charles Spurgeon defined it. He said, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of the omnipotence. Isn't that great? Prayer, the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. And so as we get to this part of chapter 5 in James, that, that rumble you hear in the floor is the landing gear starting to come down in the book. Uh, What began with James greeting the 12 tribes in the dispersion four chapters earlier and for us when we began back in late April is now on its final approach. The runway of the book of James is in sight. The end of the letter is straight ahead. We've buckled our seatbelts and we've put up our tray tables and we can see the end of this book and we find James finishing with instructions about prayer. Look at verse 13 and 14 again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing 
prays. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. I find it interesting that James categorizes and brings to us three areas that no doubt most of us have experienced at some point in our life. Perhaps most of us here today could fit into one of these categories. Are you suffering? James says, pray. Are you cheerful? Sing praise. Are you sick? Call for your leaders and have them pray over you. Now let's remember the the big themes of chapters 4 and 5. James is promising grace to those who embrace gospel humility. It's why in James chapter 4, you may remember this verse, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And so the focus on prayer at the end of this book fits perfectly as we now understand ourselves to humbly come before the Lord and petition him no matter what category we fit in. Let me say this just phrase that maybe you can just grab a hold of and take with you today. Humility attracts God. Amen. Humility attracts God. James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And with this humility, two verses later, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So when we speak of prayer and when James mentions prayer, implicit in it is a heart that walks softly because it is aware of being in the presence of a holy God. Now let me give you a side note. This is free, no charge. Ready? At the foundation of humility is the gospel. And can I just say this? Thank God for a church that preaches the gospel. That'd be a good place for an amen right there. Thank God for leaders who preach the gospel because the gospel is the foundation and it includes the foundation of prayer. The foundation of humility itself is the gospel. That's why when we associate prayer with the gospel, we do not tell God what to do. Why? Because we're not God. I want to fly in the face of some modern, I think, incorrect theology of some, north, south, east, and west of here. We do not decree and declare what God is going to do. That's not our position to do. Prayer is not obligating God. Prayer with faith is when we humbly and confidently come before an almighty God and we ask God to accomplish what he has already promised in his word. Prayer is bringing our humble appeal to the Lord and saying, God, you said this in your word. Would you please do that for us? Not because we deserve it, not because we've decreed it, but because we humbly approach you to follow through on what you said in your word you could do. If, if pride is a struggle in prayer for you, maybe we can begin or renew our understanding of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, many of you are familiar with this passage. You were dead, Paul said. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And then perhaps one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And so when we come to God in prayer, we come not deserving anything, but we come with a heart that says, God, it is only by your grace that I come to you. But is there anyone glad at Grace Community Church today that that gracious God welcomes us into his presence and says, you have a place in amongst what I'm doing, and you can come to me humbly, and I not only will hear your voice, I will act upon what you request. Because we pray with humility. It's tied to the gospel. James says, because of this, are you suffering? Pray. It's interesting to remember the context of James way back in chapter 1, his interest in perseverance. Remember that? Count it all joy when you go through trials. Perseverance trials of various kinds, the testing of your faith. He's saying if you're in that scenario, if you have oppression in your life, if you're walking through disasters of some kind, perhaps persecution that chapter 5 talks about, if you're suffering, pray. What does that mean to us? Maybe it's as simple as Tuesday night when we gather together in prayer. We're suffering We come and pray. We ask God to intervene on our behalf. Maybe it's before service. Maybe it's after service. Maybe it's at home. What are we petitioning God for? Perhaps we are asking, rightly so, for God to remove the suffering or the trial. But maybe also included in that prayer humbly is that, God, would you give me spiritual strength if I have to endure the trial? Help me to have a godly spirit as I suffer through it. Are you suffering? James says, pray. Humbly talk to God. Ask him to be the present help that Psalms talks about in the time of trouble. Are you cheerful? James goes on to say. Sing praises. Isn't singing a form of prayer? Wasn't that what the worship team was doing? They were singing communication to God. James says, if you're cheerful, sing. Interestingly, in the original language, cheerful connotes a a state of emotions, not just a a freedom on the outside or or lack of problem on the outside. It's the internal. James is saying, if internally there there is a cheerful heart, things may be swirling, but inside there's a peace of mind. When that's happening, sing. Lift up your voice and Sing to God. I put it down in my notes this way. When life is swirling and yet inside you have a peace that surpasses your understanding or circumstances, turn on Bright FM and sing. That's what I wrote down. Come to Worship Fest on August 12th and sing with all your heart. Not because life is perfect, because around you may be the maelstrom of stuff, but inside There's the peace that surpasses understanding. James says, sing. Put a hope in your spirit. Let the internal affect the external and just sing to God. And then James says, 
Not only if you're suffering, not only if you're cheerful, but are you sick? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. Isn't it cool? James assumes an organized church. Isn't that great? He assumes there are going to be people in an elder position leading the congregation. And so he says, if you're sick, call for them. Interestingly, he says, you don't even pray first. Call for them. Let them pray over you in the name of the Lord. He assumes an organized church, and he assumes that the sick will take the initiative to utilize what God has placed in their life in that faith family. Now, this came home to me big time about a month ago. I'll quickly mention it. I was sitting in our normal area over here on the left side, and Brenda was away for the weekend, so it was just me. I was worshiping with all of us together and wonderful singing, wonderful preaching. Pastor Greg, I believe, was preaching that Sunday. But what most people didn't know, but I did, was that I was in the midst of a relapse with my MS and a a symptom that has given fits every now and again was really, really bothering me. And we were going through the service and Pastor Greg was preaching, and I knew at that point that I was going to be eventually preaching today. That was just a month ago, right? And so, in full disclosure, while he was preaching from maybe chapter 3 or so, I flipped over to chapter 5 and read what verses I was going to be preaching from. And I I went back to chapter 3. I didn't ignore Pastor Greg. But I read. And when I got to that verse, is anyone sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray in the name of the Lord. I thought to myself, Todd, you're sick. Maybe you should do what James says. Has God's word ever done that for you? Just make me feel good. Kind of nailed you. Yeah. So we got done with the service. Pastor Greg finished a wonderful message. The worship team came up. And Pastor Greg gave the benediction, and we were getting ready to leave. And the music came on, and people started milling. And God was, are you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. And I'm thinking, you know, Brenda's not here. I'm just going to go get some lunch and go home and relax. Are you sick? Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. So I finally said in my mind, in in my heart, internally, okay. So I walked down the aisle. I met Pastor Greg right here. He was about to come off the steps here. I said, Pastor Greg, could I talk to you for a second? He said, sure. Pastor Don, you remember perhaps that day we stood right here. I said, Pastor Greg, I'm not feeling very good today. Could you pray for me? And then Pastor Greg did something that he wasn't thinking about James chapter 5, but he did it because he knows how God works. He said, yeah, I will. Let me get Pastor Don. Yes. Elders. Pastor Don came, and we all stood right here. 
and they prayed for me. And they asked God to heal me. And we got done, and I thanked them. And I walked back to where I was. I got my stuff, and I went back home. Now, the cool thing would be to be able to say, and it immediately went away. But you know what? It didn't. The symptoms were still there. But when I got home, the Lord reminded me that I have another person in this equation. I have my, my doctors as well. And so I, I contacted my doctor and I said, here's the issue. And it's kind of cropped up again. And is there anything you can help me with? And she said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do some stuff with your medication that you take, a secondary medication. And so she put that prescription in and, and, and I started taking that. And, and that helped the symptoms immensely. And you know what? Today, as of August Compared to the nine I was at, one through ten on that day a month ago, I'm at about a 1.3. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what that is? That's God at work. Did God instantaneously heal? No, but you know what he did? He listened to what we were asking. Notice with me, the Bible tells us in James, ask for the elders to come. Let them anoint with oil. We don't do that all the time in Christian churches, but in the Old Testament, oftentimes oil was used medicinally. And so we can actually understand when James is saying this, this combination of medicinal and prayer together. Think Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan came and put oil upon the injured person and helped them. And so it's not a, a either or kind of thing. Thank God for medical professionals who will help us when we're sick. But also thank God for leaders who will pray for us and the combination together. God hears prayers for sick people. And he helps us in our time of need. Are you sick? Call for the elders. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you, Pastor Don. Thank you for praying for me. Now, as James talks about these categories in prayer, I think it's also important for us to understand that it's our posture when we come to the Lord that is as important as the words we say. The posture understands the centrality of the gospel in prayer. And so we approach God not with a God having to do something, but God, would you do this? The posture says, God, I, I come to you and I place myself in your presence asking for your help. But verses 15 and 16 go a bit further. And James says this, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The second thing I want you to remember, besides the posture being so vitally important, is that secondly, healing is a spiritual work. You caught it, right? And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. It's the Lord's doing. So James, are you saying with that scripture that everyone will be healed instantly when they pray a prayer of faith? Everyone? The answer biblically I would have to say is no. When a scripture is properly taken in context, this is my opinion, 
As I read through the Bible, nowhere in Scripture does God promise to instantly heal everyone who prays for healing. The reason is only known in the mind of an omniscient God who is good. But neither does Scripture exclude times when God instantly heals. I want to say an obvious statement maybe that a preacher is kind of supposed to say, but I really believe it because I've been on the receiving end. God can heal any illness. Amen. Is there anyone here today who would lift a hand and say, I myself have been on the receiving end of an instant miracle of healing from God. Would you raise your hand? Just let me see. Look around, everybody. You're not second class if you don't raise your hand. We're just, we're just testifying here. We've instantly been healed before. Now, put your hands down. How many of you are here today and you've prayed for healing and it hasn't happened instantly? Would you put your hand up? Everyone look around. You're not second class if you don't have your hand up. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that everyone, all the time, instantly are going to be healed. But it does not exclude those moments when God can heal illness. I had someone ask me the other day at work, why do prayers not get answered? I think there's a multitude of reasons why, perhaps. Sometimes, James says, we ask amiss. We ask for the wrong reason. Sometimes we may have unconfessed sin. Now, this is not a generalization that if your prayer is not heard, you're a sinner. That's not what I'm saying. And you have sin, you haven't confessed but sometimes that can't impede God working in your life. Sometimes we don't ask, and God hasn't had an opportunity to bring that to us. Sometimes God will, God's will is at the moment different than our preference. And so ultimately, we have to have faith in that God and trust him. I, I, I believe this. Let me say it this way. Here is the prayer of faith. Ready? Wherever we are, we humbly and with confidence bring the what leaving the when to the who, who knows why. Let me say it again. Wherever we are, we humbly, with confidence, bring the what, leaving the when to the who, who knows why. Notice James focuses not only on physical healing and those categories of sickness, but he focuses on spiritual healing. In fact, I think a claim can be made, a case can be made that that is the predominant issue he's talking about here. Because he says, if you've committed sin, the Lord, the prayer of faith is going to raise them up. The Lord's going to raise them up. But if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So maybe it's a good day to ask ourselves, is there anything in my heart that I need to offload and confess. James would say, confess to one another. Obviously, there are, there are ways to do that. There are appropriate ways to do that. There's an adequate amount of information to do that. But James would say, confess. And as you confess, you will be healed. It's a spiritual work. Look at verse 16, the prayer, James says, of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Implied, of course, is that great, powerful prayer involves a righteous person, made righteous not by their own works, but Jesus' work. And then he pivots for the last two verses that we looked at a moment ago, 
into an Old Testament reference as a way to remind us of this whole concept of prayer. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. If you want to read the entire passage that James is referencing, look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 through 46. He prayed fervently, literally in the original language of the Bible. You know what that word, that phrase is really saying? He prayed with prayer. It's an odd way to say it, isn't it? It's just a strange Hebraic way to repeat something and in doing so, magnify its significance. He prayed, Elijah prayed with prayer. Elijah prayed fervently. But notice with me, and this is perhaps one of the greatest encouragements of this whole passage. It's this, that Elijah, James says, was a man like us. Isn't that encouraging? In the pantheon of faith, Elijah was not far and away above everybody else. He did great things through the power of God, but he was a man like us. He was a man just like us. And James is saying in this concept of prayer, be reminded that Elijah prayed fervently, and look what happened when Elijah prayed. It didn't rain for three and a half years, but then he switched gears, and he prayed again, and it did rain. Why? Because he prayed, and not only did he pray, he prayed fervently. He prayed with prayer. I think thirdly, and I want to remind us all today that the prayer of faith is doable. Elijah was a man just like us, and fervent prayer is doable. It's not necessarily loud, the prayer of faith is not necessarily even long. When Elijah prayed for fire to come down and consume the sacrifice earlier in the Old Testament, his prayer was just a few words, and God responded, and God answered that prayer. It's not necessarily loud. The prayer of faith is not necessarily long, but it is passionate, and it's purposely desiring God's will, and it's a prayer we all can pray, all of us. Prayer. I want to quickly come to a close, but I want to mention this just because it, it, it perhaps is something that we've wrestled through, I have for sure. And, and that is, how do, you, how do you take what God said he would do through his word, the promises he's given us, how do you balance that and praying for the will of God? I mentioned a moment ago, God can heal any illness. I just want to be real upfront with everybody. Is that okay, just for a second? I have prayed over and over and over and over again, God, take away my illness. I believe you can take it away. And then a part of me prays, God, I don't want my will, I want your will. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I've added that part at the end, which I believe with all my heart, there is a little small part of me that's saying, Todd, are you saying that because you're giving God an out in case it doesn't happen? Are you weakening your faith by saying, but God, not my will, but your will? But I want to say to someone today, it is never wrong to pray for the will of God. We pray, God, 
I don't know what your will is, but I do know you said in your word that you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And so God, I fervently and passionately ask you to do what you said in your word, but nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. And God will never turn away from people who pray for his will. God always is attracted to people who will say, God, I want your will. Passionately, I pray for your will. And so we pray today the prayer of faith. A prayer of faith that is humble and confident. And that is addressed to a gracious, good God. And as we do, we pray and we believe God hears us because he does. Worship team, you can come on. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When any speaker is preparing a message, it's always good to spend time putting together the application. Any audience, any congregation is ultimately asking, so what? What do I do with this message? And I have to admit, I think I've got the easiest application prep of any message preached in James because the verses themselves are the application. Are you suffering today? Pray. Are you cheerful? Sing. Are you sick? We have elders. Tell them about your sickness. They'll pray over you in the name of the Lord. Confess your sins to one another, and God will heal you. Maybe it's just time to pray the prayer of faith, humbly and confidently before a great God. Let's stand together, everybody.
I'd like to ask Pastor George and Pastor Don, could you join me here in the front? My reason for asking them to come is selfish, I know, because I'm going to ask them to pray for me in a second. And I just want to invite anyone, if you're sick, there are people who will pray with you. Pray in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. I don't know how it's going to happen. The when is up to him. The how is up to him. But the what we bring to God. Are you suffering today? There are people who will pray with you and lift you up in prayer. Are you cheerful? Our worship team is going to sing and you sing along with them. But let's pray the prayer of faith today. And so if you're in any of those categories, I would love to invite you to come and just be here in the front. And Maybe there are some small group leaders. Are you here, small group leaders? I think you are. Would you mind joining us, small group leaders? If you lead a small group, could you come and just join us here in the front? And the reason we're asking that is because that's a familiar face maybe if you're suffering. That's a familiar face to you. If you're going through difficulty, that's a familiar face. Other leaders of other ministries, are you here? Just could step out. This is not going to be awkward. It's not going to be weird. It's just a connection with God. It's the prayer of faith. And so I'm going to ask, thank you, Pastor Rick. I'm going to ask as many of you as would. No one's forcing anyone. No one's putting pressure on anybody. We're going to go have a good time eating food together in a few minutes. But as for me, I have a sickness. I'm going to come and ask these men to pray for me. Do you have something you're suffering with? Do you have a sickness you're dealing with? There are people here who will pray with you and lift you up. And let's watch what God does. Let's watch what God does. If things are going great and you feel wonderful and good, you just sing. You sing with all your heart. If you're cheerful, sing with all your heart. Let's believe God, Grace Community. Let's ask God to help us today. Let's pray the prayer of faith. Come on, everybody that wants to. If you have a need, please come. Let's pray together. Sing with us. Would you do that? Worship team, sing. Let's lift up our voice in worship. Let's believe God together. In Jesus' name.